not to disconnect well once I go on vacation. It seems that the church is always with me to my wife's great consternation. But we were so busy this week that uh, I feel like I haven't been in the pulpit in like a couple of months. So I am eager this morning. Well, hopefully I'm eager at all mornings, but you know what I mean. We are beginning a new series. We just finished the uh, book of Genesis. We are going to begin the Gospel of John this morning. And so if you will open your Bibles to John chapter 1, our text this morning is verses 1 through 13. Please hear the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John, from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we are opening up this great Gospel, which um, tells us that was specifically written that uh, all might know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. So I ask that you pour out your Spirit now as we have read your Word and as I seek to proclaim it faithfully that we might all believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Help us to understand our need for Him Help us to flee to Him. We ask in His name. Amen. Finish this sentence. Familiarity breeds contempt. Right. Uh, You could finish this sentence not only because you've heard it before, but also because I imagine all of you have experienced it to be true. Especially if you have raised teenagers. You teach, them, you teach them something day in and day out for years on end. Uh, and it seems like their ears are full of wax. But then some outsider, even some stranger comes along and says the same thing to them. And it's the coolest, most profound truth they've ever heard in their lives. Familiarity doesn't just breed indifference. It breeds contempt. Uh, We begin to think that we are better or smarter than those around us and start to look down our noses at others. Have you seen the signs um, that parents will often hang on their refrigerators about um, uh, kids, you better 
impart to us all your wisdom now while you're you're young and get old and forget it all, you know, and stuff like that. Um, the contempt is an expression of pride. To the Israelites, God's chosen people, the religion of grace became contemptible. They were better morally than the nations around them. They had better laws. They had a unique religious system. They were, in their eyes, the shining light to the rest of the nations. But the religion of grace says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the consistent message of the Bible. The Israelites believed this teaching uh, about sin because it was in the Bible, but they believed it applied to the Gentiles. They believed it applied to the, the nations around them. I just had a thought. When, when I woke up this morning, I usually come into the church office um, before it's light, and as I walked out the door, and I was, I was thinking of this as with Carlos's uh, children's sermon, the moon was full um, this morning it was set off in the east and my door opens up I'm sorry, to the west and my door opens up to the west and so I saw the moon full it was lighting up the whole sky the whole western sky and of course the, the sun rises in the east but it was so bright over there um, where the moon was how much light does the moon give off in and of itself? nothing it's simply a reflection of the light. And it, it occurs to me, the Israelites thought of themselves as being this great light to the nations, but they really had no light in themselves. It was simply a reflection of the righteousness of God. They became prideful. And they became... This whole idea of grace became a contemptible... Uh, idea, this this idea that they were sinners and that they needed God's grace was something. It, it became um, a, a a a source of contempt. The, the idea of grace became contemptible to the Israelites if they thought that they needed grace. And really, what ended up happening is the whole idea of God became contemptible to the Israelites. They gave him a lot of, of lip service. But when it came to really trusting in God, it seems that they really trusted in themselves. The introduction to John's Gospel is a five-point indictment against the Israelites. They are guilty of not recognizing the Messiah. And John makes it clear that it is not ignorance... Rather, it is their willful contempt for God and His grace that calls them to close their eyes and reject their Savior. So verses 1 and 2 is the first point in the indictment. Uh, Christ is the Word. So you know this passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John's not using some Neoplatonic philosophical terms to describe Jesus when he calls Jesus the Word. In other words, he's not saying that, John, that Jesus is the logic 
That makes no sense to me. Um, I don't understand why the commentator, commentators try and make John out to be a disciple of Plato. What John is saying here is that Jesus is the focal point of the Bible. He is the Scriptures in the flesh. So, for instance, John quotes uh, Jesus in John 5, verse 39 and 40, where Jesus tells the Israelites, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, talking about the Scriptures, the Scriptures that bear witness about Me, yet you refuse to come to Me that you may have life. So the indictment is that the Jews were people of the book. No other nation was committed to their holy writings as the Jews were. The Israelites wrote the Scriptures on the doorposts of their houses. They, they had them printed on these tassels that hung in front of their faces um, from their hats. Everywhere they went, they, they memorized large portions of the Scriptures. Yet they missed the whole purpose of the Bible. They missed Christ. Christ is the whole purpose that the Bible was written. To miss Christ is to misunderstand the Scriptures. Now why did they miss Christ? The Israelites missed Christ because they missed their need of Christ. They did not recognize Him because they did not think they really needed Him. That's why Jesus told the parable of the the Pharisee and the tax collector. Remember the Pharisee so righteous and, and holy standing at the front of the church. Thank you God that I'm not like that poor tax collector at the back of the church. That's why Jesus said, it is, the health, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's why Jesus said that He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Israelites thought they were righteous. And so they, they did not think that they really needed a Messiah, really needed a Savior. Do you know your need of Christ? Not to fill in the gaps in your life. Not to make up for areas that, that you are lacking in your morality. Not to complete your journey to God. Rather, you need Christ because you are wicked and evil and God-hating without Jesus Christ. Without Christ, I am wicked and evil and God-hating. Without Christ, my wife, it's wicked, evil, and God-hating. Without Christ, my children are wicked and evil and God-hating. The Jews were unwilling to recognize this testimony about them. I remember preaching from John chapter—I mean, from Romans chapter three one time, um, verses nine through eighteen, where it says, um, "None are righteous, no, not one. None seek for God. The, the poison of, of vipers is on their tongues. Um, ruin and misery mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. We're bloodthirsty and everything else. Um, no fear of God." And I remember this lady. Uh, came up to me. It was not in this church. It was um, my first um, uh, job out of seminary as an assistant pastor. But she walked up to me and she said, I know that the Bible says this. And I know it's talking about uh, all human beings, but it does not describe me. 
That was the attitude of the Jews. Yeah, sure, the Bible says this. It's talking about those Gentiles. But I am righteous. They thought they were better morally than they were. So they ultimately missed Christ who came to call not the righteous or even the semi-righteous, but sinners. Do you know your need of Christ. Let a soul sense its need of Christ and nothing will keep that soul away from Christ. So the Israelites in this first indictment were guilty of rejecting the Word who was with God and who Himself was God. To add to their culpability, John says the Israelites were were guilty of rejecting their Creator. Verse 3, All things were made through Him, talking about Christ, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Christ is the Creator. Way back in Genesis 1.1, when the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus is the one being referenced. Jesus is the agent in creation. We might say the Father was the architect. He decreed it. And Jesus was the builder. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says the same thing. And speaking of Christ, it says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's the Creator. And the Israelites rejected Him. So they're guilty of rejecting the Word, they're guilty of rejecting their Creator. The third indictment is that they are guilty of rejecting the One who gave them life and daily sustains it. Look at, um, at verse 4. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Christ is life. And the Israelites were like the, the child who bites his mother's hand. How disrespectful. Christ is the one who's given you life. He sustains you moment by moment. Every breath you take is a breath that He has given to you. He doesn't just wind us up and set us in motion so that we die when the gears stop uh, turning. No. He is intimately involved in our lives. He is intimately involved in every detail of our life. And so to reject Him is the height of disrespect. To not lean upon Him. To not trust Him who is your life giver, who is the one who sustains you, is the height of, of stupidity. To make it clear that the Israelites' rejection of Christ was not simple ignorance. The indictment says that Christ was a light shining in the darkness. Um, Again, verse 4 and verse 5, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it wasn't simple ignorance, because a light shining in the darkness cannot help but be seen. You have to work awfully hard not to recognize a light shining in the darkness. 
And the Israelites' problem was they did not want the light. They willfully closed their eyes to the light. And this points to their real problem. Their real problem was a moral problem. It wasn't a problem of knowledge or lack of knowledge. Uh, John 3.18 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And this is true of all people. All people have the light and knowledge of the Creator. Romans chapter 1. And the reason people don't believe is because they do not love their Creator. People try and hide behind their rationalizations. But one day, all rationalizations, all human attempts to suppress the knowledge of God will be removed when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And then the final indictment is found in verses 6 through 9. To make sure that the Israelites did not miss Christ, God sent John the Baptist to testify to the light. And just to be clear here, John the Baptist did not write John's Gospel. John the Apostle wrote John's Gospel. John the Baptist, completely different person than John the Apostle. So here's what it says in verses 6 through 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men, I'm sorry, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Repeatedly, John the Baptist cried out that Jesus was the true light. That Jesus was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. But the people closed their ears to his preaching. In fact, they were willing to believe that John the Baptist was the Messiah. Uh, Luke uh, 3.15 says this, But in so doing, they rejected Christ and shut their uh, shut their eyes to the clear light of His presence among them. Can you see, after looking at these five indictments, how guilty they were for rejecting Christ? Can you begin to see how guilty people are today who reject Christ? It will be awful to stand on the day of judgment without Christ. You won't be able to plead ignorance. It will be clear to you, to everyone else, and to God that you rejected Him if you were standing there without Christ. John summarized the indictments in uh, verses 10 and 11. So you can think of, an art of a lawyer giving his summation argument. And here is this summation argument. And in so... And since God is the prosecutor here and the jury, this is also the verdict. Um, verses 10 and 11. He was in the world and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. In other words, the Israelites were guilty of rejecting their Messiah. So then what is the penalty? Verses 12 and 13. Here's the penalty of their guilt. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, 
or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You know, you'd expect fire and brimstone here as he's giving the verdict. But instead we find grace, and not just a little stingy portion of grace. In fact, as much judgment as we would expect on the Israelites because of their rejection of the Messiah, instead we find that all that judgment is replaced with grace. God is saying in effect, if the Israelites are working so hard to reject me, then I'm going to throw open the floodgates of my grace to all the nations. In other words, we are recipients of God's gracious judgment. Israel's rejection of God's grace, to paraphrase Paul in Romans 11, has meant riches, the riches of God's grace for the rest of the world. Our God is a God of grace. There's this judgment against the Israelites. But we're no better. In fact, we're just as bad off, even worse. Just as unworthy of His grace. And God, in His verdict, throws open the storehouse of God's grace to us. Let's pause just for a couple of minutes at verses or moments for verses twelve and thirteen. Look at how wide God's grace is. Verse twelve to all who did receive him, to all who believed in his name. He gave what? Not just the right to go into heaven. He gave the right to become children of God. Here's God's grace. Here's God's invitation for you to become His own child. Will you receive it? Will you entrust yourself to Christ? God's salvation is offered through Jesus Christ. Will any of you here leave without Him? And why would you? Leave without Him. Well, I know why you would. Because you love the darkness more than you love Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so turn from darkness to Christ. And if you won't listen to my pleas, listen to Charles Spurgeon as he pled with uh, his congregation over 150 years ago. He said, I have no medicine to prescribe except Christ, 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 Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look away from yourselves and trust Him. I go over and over and over with this and never get one jot further because I find that this medicine cures all soul sickness. While human quackery cures none. Christ alone is the one remedy for sin-sick souls. Receive Him. Believe on His name. We keep hammering at this. I could sympathize with Luther when he said, I have preached justification by faith so often that I feel sometimes that you are so slow to receive it that I could almost take the Bible and bang you about your heads. I'm afraid that the truth would not have entered their hearts if he had done so. This is what we aim at. To get this one thought into a man. Thou art lost. And therefore such a one as Christ came to save. Let's pray together. 
Almighty God, we ask that we would see Christ this morning and that this one thought would be in all of us that without Christ we are lost and therefore Christ came to save people such as us for He did not come to save the righteous but sinners. God, I ask for every person Lord, I spread my prayer widely and ask for uh, all older people, middle-aged people, parents, even the smallest and youngest of children, that they would know Jesus Christ. For He is our Savior, our Creator, our life, and our light. We ask in His name. Amen.